Welcome to Money Metaphors, exploring financial concepts through stories and analogies with Jason Coddington from Coddington Wealth Advisors. In this podcast, we help families and small business owners like you navigate the world of finance. Our goal? To help you stress less and enjoy life more, all while leaving a lasting legacy. Join us for this journey where we explore the nuances of goal-based asset management, retirement, and estate planning strategies as Jason and his team draw from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the puzzle of effective financial management. And welcome to the Money Metaphors podcast with your host, Jason Coddington of Coddington Wealth Advisors. Jason, it's your inaugural podcast. Welcome. Good to meet yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. It's be excited to have this conversation. So yeah. Um, so since it is the first one, you know, what we typically do here is we like to introduce you to people, give them an idea who you are, what you're about, uh, what your background is. So let's start with kind of the basics here. How in the world did you make the decision to get into the financial advising industry? Yeah, it was, uh, I would, you know, you look back now, We've been doing it 27 years, so it seems natural, wow. but uh, it was accidental, I think. <laughs> so <laughs> went to Fresno State, uh, and I majored in agricultural business, and I thought for sure I was going to be in produce. Uh, my family um, had been in the produce industry, so peaches, plums, nectarines, grapes. Yeah. Uh, went down that road and did some internships and basically decided, you know, it uh, wasn't wasn't for me. I mean, it was fun, but it wasn't, I don't know. And then uh, I did another internship uh, with farm credit, the farm credit system. And we did uh, worked in the ag de appraisal department. So appraising farmland. And I really took a liking to finance. Now, the crazy thing about that is I was not the best at math in high school. You know, I was always, my peers were always, in, you know, algebra two, you know, trigonometry, you know, that's yeah. calculus. So, you know, I was always the one further behind Probably not what you want to hear from your financial advisor, but, uh, you know, anyway, uh, I started to like finance all of a sudden. Then that transitioned into a job right out of college uh, as a loan officer with the farm credit system, uh, working uh -huh. with working with farmers. And then I realized, you know, I've always been kind of an enterprising person. I was, one of, you know, I was the seventh, you know, junior high, I was mowing lawns to make a little extra money. Uh, in high school, I started washing cars. I'd lease some some farmland um, from my family to farm, you know, some grapes. So I was always kind of had that inner entrepreneurial kind of fervor, if you will. It just came to the point where, you know, I, I like the farm credit system, but if I wanted to uh, have the opportunity for my wife to choose to stay home, should she, if we raise our children, because we just gotten married right after we got out of college, sure. it was going to be, let's take a shot at being self-employed. And I went to a conference. It was actually a financial planner was hosting it for other people. I just went in there as an attendee and saw what he did. And then that's how it started. And then I went down my own path and here we are. So, yeah, it's been what, great. What about, what about it struck that nerve, that, uh, that passion for you? I think uh, problem solving was big. Uh, I like to solve, you know, problems and providing a solution does that. But the other part that was intriguing to me was it was dynamic. So no, nothing was the same. No, no client uh, was the same. They always had different yeah. situations. So as you know, you're always learning something new it's dynamic, but solving problems. And then I think the other, the other piece that, you know, was intriguing to me was providing, just providing a service, you know, that's, you know, it kind of scratched that entrepreneurial itch. You know, mm -hmm. years ago, there's a phrase that, you know, if you want to do be in this industry, you have to have the mind of a capitalist and the heart of a social worker. And so I feel that's, I feel that's true. It's interesting. How do you feel? 
clearly you, you you come from an agricultural background. I was sitting here listening to you talk, and, and I thought, I wonder how that agricultural background informs the financial advisor, Jason, today. You have to plan if you're in agriculture. So, yep. you know, financial planning you know, it's important you have to plan, you know, in agriculture, you have to, you know, when you're going to plant, if it's row crops, you know, if you have, you know, fungicide applications, herbicide applications, or if you're, you know, if you're organic, you know, when are you going to, you know, introduce integrated pest management? And then, of course, then you have to, you so see, you plan and then you have to deal with risk, right? So yep. um, you have a product out there. It's unlike anything else, you know, like a widget, if you will. Uh, mm -hmm. that someone makes in a manufacturer, you know, it's covered, right? It's built, it's covered. You don't really have the the exposure to the, the elements or mother nature. And if there's no demand for that product or it drops off, you can store it. You don't have that luxury with fresh fruit or fresh produce. And so right. I think growing up in the agricultural industry and fresh produce helped prepare me for that because you have to not only plan, but you deal with multiple variables all the time. And you have to plan for risk. And I think that experience growing up and then learning about it as well has helped provide a good foundation for providing financial advice to families and small business. Some of the sharpest financial-minded people, not necessarily sharpest finance-minded people I've known have been farmers because of all of those things in the equation that you just yeah. mentioned there. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, and it's a noble endeavor, right? You're dealing with, I mean, you're taking a raw product each and every year and you're taking it, uh, you know, to completion and giving it to an end consumer. That's pretty amazing. So how did you get from the Farm Credit Bank to Coddington Wealth Advisors now? So yeah, the, that transition um, was pretty good. So I interviewed with uh, a few firms before I decided, ultimately, I started with Ameriprise Financial. Now, when it started, it was American Express Financial Advisors, but yeah. then uh, spun off to Ameriprise Financial Advisors. And the reason I chose them of all the others at the time was it seemed to me that they were really focused on financial planning. So they were diagnosed first and then prescribed. They weren't trying to, quote unquote, move a product or sell a position. Gotcha. So I, I really that really appealed to me. Spent 23 years uh, with Ameriprise, and in 2019, we switched uh, to LPL Financial as our broker-dealer, and uh, I was able to name my own firm, Coddington Wealth Advisors, and that is uh, how we got here. Ameriprise is a great firm, just I wanted the full freedom and flexibility that LPL could offer, and that's why we're here. So um, yeah. it was a good fit for me, and, and Ameriprise you know, is, is a great, still is a great, great place, but just different fit for me. Yeah. No, no, no. Hey, things, people grow, things move on. And absolutely. And if you've got the entrepreneurial urge to have your own business, it makes total sense. Let's talk a little bit about what you do now at Coddington Wealth Advisors. And I guess we could start with who's your ideal client. And then do you have a specialty that you work on when you work with clients? So the majority of our clients are, you know, families and small businesses, different business owners, whether it be, you know, an auto repair shop, restaurant owners, but we also have a lot of farmers as clients as well. So I would say if I have a if I have a specialty, it would be working with people in the agricultural industry, either if they're self-employed themselves or perhaps you know they they're a vendor. Um, they could work with a fertilizer company. They could work with you know a chemical company. They could mm -hmm. work with you know realtors uh, that serve agriculture. You just you know. So I would say you know we our niche would be working in the agricultural industry. But I think we find that the as we mentioned earlier, the foundations found in in agriculture and planning to be a farmer transcend into, you know, you know, working with individuals and families, because you still have to plan, you still have to prepare, prepare, oh, you still yeah. have to deal with risk. So yeah, 
So that would say that. And then occasionally, you know, what we do is we ideally, when we start uh, working with retired clients, we see that uh, as a transition, you know, which it is, it is a transition, but uh, a lot of people's mindset changed then from, you know, not only are what they going to enjoy in their retirement, but what's going to occupy their, what's going to occupy their time as far as, you know, people still have, you know, if they don't have a vocation, they have an avocation, they want to, mm-hmm. you know, and then, then people start to think about, okay, how do I want to be remembered? And so that's why, you know, one of our taglines is, you know, uh, leave a legacy. And we're uh, confident that, you know, the legacy is more than money. It's it's memories, it's experiences with those you love and care about. And that um, we start having those discussions for those that are retired because, you know, that um, it's not just about the money. You know, it can be how do you want to how, what do you, you want to leave any assets to your community, to your church, to charities that you enjoy and then your family. And doing that in a way that, you know, maximizes the amount to the beneficiaries and a lot that way money doesn't get caught up and lost to the state or federal government and taxes. So yeah. that's that's something we do a lot. And with, you know, land, they're not, you're not making more, they're not making more land. So land prices just continue to go up. So that it would uh, be fascinating to find a land factory. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But until, it, until that's done, then yeah, that's, uh, you know, ag, you know, land prices go up. You know, it's in especially in California, it doesn't take a lot of of assets to uh, you know have your your estate, you know, quote unquote, probated. So you know, there's some planning needs that are in there as well. That's great. I would imagine too that there's got to be a special satisfaction in a community where you have your business and you live and you work, working with small businesses, because I would imagine that that you can see the impact of what you do sort of on an everyday basis. Yeah. Small working with small business is fun because, you know, you're as you know, we're a small business owner. I'm so this is our firm here. So we have you pay rent, you pay payroll taxes, you pay, you deal with human resources, you deal with legal issues. All all if you're in business, you you deal with that stuff. And I enjoy it. It's fascinating. And but it's also knowing that, you know, you go to a restaurant down the street, they're going through the same thing. If it's, you know, a realtor, for example, might be going through the same thing. You know, there's a bakery, could be another farmer's going through it. So you just have, you just know. And so you can have, you kind of have that common language of, of small business that's, you know, important. And I think one thing that happened, and then also too, I say working with accountants, you know, as well, because, you know, a lot of accountants also serve small business. And so that's, um, we like working with them and having those and just becoming creative about ways to solve problems for fellow small business owners in our community. And I think COVID, you know, good and bad came out of that experience. Uh, But I will say in that 2020 to 21 time period, you did see a lot of business owners, you know, have to get creative, um, especially restaurants in the service industry, get creative on how they were going to survive and deal with personnel issues. And, you know, and it was kind of, you just had to adapt. And I just appreciate that. And, you know, I think there was a good, collaboration of community when that happened. Yeah, that's great. Speaking of community, what's your role? I mean, how do you, what do you see as your role in the community? What do you, do you do? How do you interact and do you do things in the community? I assume you do, so, but yeah, yeah. We, so I think, you know, my, uh, my wife and I uh, volunteer and we're, uh, you know, at the board on our church. So, you know, that's, that's one way we serve our community. My wife is um, a president actually of our local swim high school swim team. Our daughters swim and our son plays water polo and he swims as well. And he's a junior. So we're active in that. So a lot of anything really that does with aquatics, it seems like we spend some time and devote to that. And then, 
we love our local high school. So if there's an opportunity to volunteer for those types of activities, we like to help there. And occasionally we'll be asked by, you know, maybe the Chamber of Commerce or some other, you know, service groups to help out with some causes. And we, we obviously, you know, help with that as well. And whether it's financial support or just, you know, volunteer, rolling up your sleeves and getting yeah. done. One thing that I think to me, I it, it's an image I have. And if you were to go out to our, and I think this is images across every every community in America. You just go to a little league baseball game, right? And you look at the center field fence yep. and it's just, they're all, they, have, they have all these- All bands, the ads. <laughs> all the ads, right? right? But what's amazing is just how that's all small. Most of those are all small business owners. Sure. You know? And so I see that as, you know, an example. That's like, the I see the small business owner, not that teachers are less important or more, or other people in the community, city works or any of that. It's just, but no, I no. see the small business owners- just as a fabric of what holds the community together. I just, I see it that way because, you know, it's just historically been that way. Um, no, no. I mean, you have a unique perspective from which to see that too. Yeah. Because yeah. you can, you can see their physical as well as their fiscal impact on, on the community that you're in. And plenty of people rally around causes, you know, there's trucking company that donates trucks for parades and stuff. And so that's, that's nice. You see, and that just, they're just all these small little acts that kind of go unseen or unnoticed, but it keeps the, keeps the community going. And I think we have a good, we see that a lot and that's important. And I think that's across the, that happens not only here in our small town where I live in, but it also happens, I'm sure globally, but I'll just say, I know for sure it's, a, you know, it's intertwined in the United States. Yeah. Why do you think that's important? I, a lot of people feel that way. Why do you think community in a sense of community and involvement in it's important? If you look at, let's say, national politics, if you will, right, there's whatever topic it might be, um, you're kind of removed from it. You know, there's not, a, you don't have a lot of, of influence on that, but you can influence your own community. You can help make your community a better place by volunteering you know it's it's an immediate response or you can you know maybe not immediate but it's you can see results in your community by helping out faster than you can see it on a national level so if yeah. you start with a community that you live in if you can build communities then you can expand out to counties and then from counties you can go to regions and regions to states and then states to so I think that is is important. So it all starts locally, and locally is easy. It local local is easy for you to be be able to grasp and comprehend. Yeah, and I think for me that the interesting part there is I had a, a good pedigree there with my family. My uh, grandparents were very active in Lions Club so years ago, and so my when my uh, sister and I were younger, we would go help out, and uh, they would help do stuff at the local fair booth, and we would help set that up and be involved in that. And so we were. Little did we know, my my grandmother uh, was also, you know, the American Legion or the Auxiliary, as they called it. Um, she was in Boy Scouts. So I saw that. And then my dad, of course, and mom were active in the community. It's just something we knew of. I feel I would like to see more of that because, uh, you know, our kids see it from our, our pers- you know, my wife and I uh, volunteering. But uh, hopefully that plants a seed in them to do the same thing in, in their communities later on in life. But I think that we're losing that as a country. I mean, I'm going to get you know, too opinionated, but that I think we need to see more, you know, community service. And as it were to borrow a phrase, what you're doing really is simply carrying on a family tradition. And it and it used to be that lots and lots of families had that tradition. So I can understand that sentiment very, very well. Let's talk a little bit about you professionally now uh, in terms of designations. Uh, folks might be curious, like just exactly what kind of licenses and, and, and certifications you might have. So we have the registered 
representative license, you know, a series seven as they call yeah. that. And then um, the appropriate state licenses for all that to transact business. And I, I believe we're in just shy of 20 states um, that we operate in, but we, you know, we can um, do more if that's necessary. And my designation is I, a CRPC and I am a, which is, stands for a certified uh, retirement planning counselor. So I have that designation, which basically focuses on, you know, the allocation of resources for retirement and then during retirement and then the transition of those assets onto the next generation. So that's kind of what encompasses that. That's interesting. What is your business and investment philosophy like, especially, especially now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think I, so that's great. I'll start with business philosophy. And I, I think the best way to, to explain it is uh, it, I see it as the convergence of three existing businesses that all have something that they offer their customers and their big brands. And I'm sure you've heard of them. Uh, one is Ritz Carlton. So with Ritz Carlton, uh, you get an, an experience there of, of hospitality and service. So yeah. we would like to say, you know, we have the hospitality of Ritz Carlton. And so you're treated well, dignity and respect and cared for, mm -hmm. and your problems are solved and addressed uh, in a quick manner. Then if we move the other one, I think we, you know, we're the other influence that we have is a company called REI or Recreational Equipment Company. So yeah. if you've ever been to REI and you want to buy something, uh, a few years ago, my daughter was going to go backpacking uh, with us. You know, she needed help and very helpful. You know, they helped size it for her, gave her the pros and cons, you got to try it on. And so that experience of education and understanding and providing the pros and cons of that experience of buying it, just a backpack was very helpful. So and how we translate that is we like to use, you know, that with you know we're not trying on backpacks in our office per se but we're definitely we're doing we're doing we're doing education with you know on topics so we want to make sure that you understand you know what it is you're doing before you invest any money right um, and so we like that from rei and then the last would be uh in and out burger which is probably less well known uh it's well known in california but less well -known. certainly well known in california absolutely yeah. so in and out has a very simple menu you know, it's, they have a cheeseburger, they have a double cheeseburger and they have a hamburger. And then of course you can add fries and a drink and that's the base model. Now, of course there's this whole secondary, you know, menu that if you're in the know, you can get, but they work off of those, that three simple, that formula. And we believe that in finance, there's really three things, you know, cash, stocks, bonds, finance is a thing of threes, cash, stocks, bonds, short-term, long-term, intermediate term, tax-free, tax-exempt or tax-free, taxable and tax it, you know, capital gain, those kinds of things. We try to simplify some of these complex financial concepts so people can act on it. So if I was to say, what's our business philosophy is that you get the, you're empowered to make financial decisions because you have the simplicity of understanding and uh, of in and out with the education provided from REI and the, you got to mm. wrap it all in an experience with Ritz Carl. Um, that wraps it up nicely. So what do you tell folks? Uh, what What is, you know, if I sit down in front of you as a potential client, I'm like, well, I'm all in here, but you know, I'm not quite sure what to do with my money. And how, how do you advise clients in terms of investments and what's, what, what's got, what guides you in, in terms of your investment philosophy? Yeah, we're kind of founded on two, two main, you know, strategies when we meet in it with the client in a meeting. And so, you know, there's something that we were, we learned years ago uh, from a mentor. It's really originally founded by an individual called Roy Gear. It's called the five simple steps. And that is to have a goal, have a plan, work the plan, and then throw off discouragement and provide direction. And so most people might have a goal, but they typically don't have a plan 
And then if they do have a plan, they have to implement it and work it. And they don't always do that. But if they work it, is that obviously um, meaning they're going to invest or what it might be, there is going to be discouragement and they're going to get and sometimes get confused. And so what we try and do is help people in those five simple steps. And in doing so in a conversation, you know, we're going to ask someone uh, or a family if they were sitting in front of us, you know, what are what threats do you see to your financial situation? So this is the second kind of guiding point is, you know, have a goal, have a plan, work the plan throw up discouragement, provide direction. And then with that, we have to understand what threats or dangers they might have in their financial situation. What opportunities, you know, do they feel are out there for them? And then what are they already doing right? Their strengths. And if we can marriage that together, then we can develop a financial plan. And then then from there, once we know their goals, then we jump into asset management. I think for us, what, what makes us unique is we manage assets based upon the time frame for their goals. So I think this, you asked about the whole farming background and why that. Yeah. And so I think this is where we manage risk, right? So for example, if someone has a short-term goal of saving for the down payment of a house, we would you know, not allocate those assets in, in an asset class such as stocks or equities because they're going to go up and down, right? And so in two years, you want to put that down payment down, we can't have it that that money be down 20% because the market's down. So in that particular case is short-term goal. We, um, you know, we put that in cash. We use goal-based asset management is mm. is what we call it. The middle is, you know, that middle time frame is like three to seven years. So, and that could be, you know, maybe it's college education, maybe it's down payment for, you know, a second residence, you know, or you just maybe want to pay down some debt. There's some different, you know, some different things that fall in that three to seven, or if you're retired already and you have a vacation, you're trying to plan in a few years with your grandchildren, you know, that falls in there. And typically there we're, we're, we're aligning not cash assets like money market stock CDs, like we would in a zero to two years, but we would then, you know, start looking at bonds, something that has, you know, a little bit better interest perhaps, but not as risky as stocks. And then for all those goals that move outside of the eight year timeframe, we start moving into equity assets such as stocks. And the reason for that is volatility, right? The longer you hold an equity asset, the typically, historically speaking, the less risky it is, less likelihood for loss. And so that's why we feel that if we have a good understanding of your goals and the time frame for your goals, we can place it in the appropriate asset class. An individual by the name of Doug Lenick, who was a kind of an influence of mine at Ameriprise Financial, had this uh, saying, and he says, we want to help clients have money in smart places rather than trying to find the smartest place. And so mm. I think that sums that that up. Yeah. And the smartest place is very elusive in, in the world of finance. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a very right. changeable. It's a very right. changeable kind of thing. Right. Well, and you're right. You can be, and it changes daily. You can be a winner yesterday and a loser today. That's true. Well, okay. Let's, let's, let's shift the gears a little bit here. Uh, when you're not working, what do you do for fun? What, what's your idea of a good time? So it's been a little bit uh, less frequent this year, but uh, I like to golf. I enjoy golfing and uh, not very good, but you know, it's, it's always, uh, it's, it's an amazing sport because it's very difficult. And for some reason I keep going out there and uh, giving it a shot. So I like, <laughs> I like golf. Uh, we like to travel. I like to travel. That's fun for us. You know, we're able to do that now with our family or children. So that's good. So travel is important. Backpacking. So each summer, my friends typically we do any you know anywhere from a three day to we've done up to as many as nine day hike uh, in the Sierra Nevadas. You know they're in our backyard. We've got three national parks within two hours of us, and so we like to explore uh, back in that backcountry. And so backpacking is important. Wine tasting. So I enjoy that. So my wife and I um, 
enjoy doing that together. We're about two hours from a, a place called Paso Robles in mm -hmm. California. And so, you know, it's uh, nice to go over there and uh, just enjoy, you know, wine and some good food there. And kind of something, this might fall into that something else not everybody knows, but I had the opportunity to uh, farm some wine grapes my friend has in his backyard. Uh, it was three quarters of an acre and we were able to make some wine. So that's something oh. that we do for fun. So that's... Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mentioned, I remember you were talking about this at the beginning of the conversation. You talked about at one point you had sort of played around with growing some grapes, some winemaking. I, yeah. wondered, if, uh, I wondered if that amounted to anything. Yeah. So it's been fun. I have, you know, obviously had some help uh, with that, the winemaker. I have another friend that has a, a, you know, a winery. So that helps. So, you know, when you have a friend that has a winery and you have a friend that has a vineyard and you were able to farm it, then it just kind of worked out. So it was a good new opportunity. And I've had fun with that. I think being in the vineyard, it's like, why in the world would you be out there when it's, you know, hot and dirty and all of that? But, you know, it's kind of therapeutic for me and, <laughs> you know, put the headphones on, listen to some good stuff and, you know, just prune away or do whatever is needed. So it's been been fun. Coming off of winemaking, <laughs> you said most people don't know that about you. Yeah, what, most what, people what, do, yeah. What's uh, what's something other? What's an, is there another thing that most people don't know about you, or would that yeah, be yeah, there's a couple winemaker. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's yeah, no. It's just um, I think the other thing that's uh, I collect pencils. <laughs> so I like I like I like writing instruments, so I enjoy, I enjoy uh, pencils, whether it's mechanical or regular. Uh, wow. And, and I like, you know, just pins. I don't, I have no idea where I picked it up. My dad was a pin guy, collected quite a pin, bit of pins. And so like, like, know, as in like flag pin kind of things? So no, like... no, writing, writing instruments. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So my daughter, my dad, excuse me, my uh, dad had impeccable penmanship. I don't, but he did. And he just liked to write. And so I don't know, I was around pins all the time. And so I think I've just carried that on. So, yes. My penmanship isn't too bad, but, the, you know, but my penmanship was enforced by a fourth grade teacher who was uh, tyrannical. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, there, yeah. No, that's, well, it's a lost art because not all kids can do it now. I think, you know, some form of cursive is, is nice. It is nice. So, if you had all the money in the world, Jason, what would you do with that money? Where would you go? What would you, you know? How would you spend it? How would you use it? That's a good question. Of course, I would travel, I'm sure, and and uh, enjoy the things that I already enjoy. But I think if I was going to, uh, the way I'd kind of rephrase it or the question and, and then answer it would be more of the cause or the, the problems I would like to solve. Yeah. Um, And, you know, kind of the magic wand thing. I would love to change the college education system you know yeah. i i think uh i think it's really expensive for kids to go to school i think kids aren't kids are asked to you know take out student loans and do that and parents are asked to pay money for something that the kids don't know that they want to do and they get out of school and they're saddled with you know a chunk of the debt, which, and I do believe, I do believe you should pay for school. So it's not that I do believe school should be paid for. Then you have ownership and skin in the game, but something has to be changed there because it's just, it's too, it's too expensive for kids. It's not, it's not going to sustain. We're lucky enough to afford private education for our, for our children. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if I look at my, you know, I don't have any grandchildren yet, but uh, when I do, if they were born next year to go to a private school, it would be half a million dollars for the entire tuition for four years. And if they were going to public school, it'd be 200. I mean, of course that's inflation numbers, but oh, no, yeah. so that's not sustainable for our country. And I would love to have a magic wand and change that. Um, oh, yeah. That actually sounds like a really great topic for a future podcast. Yeah. That, yeah. There we'll, yeah. we'll definitely talk, tackle that topic because we want to, we want to solve that problem for people or help solve it. 
Yeah, no, understandably. So where do I go next here? Let's let's go. Let's run with the idea of you kind of flirted with this a little bit, but what is your idea of success? For us, I think it's being able to be with the ones you love and care about and as much as possible, do what you enjoy and you're passionate about. I think if you enjoy what you do, which I enjoy, I'm blessed to have that opportunity to do, have a career in which I truly enjoy it. I forget who said it, but it's like, if you uh, do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I truly feel that way. And so I would say that, you know, I would say that's, see that as successful, not necessarily the money. Money's only as good. It's only a tool. So what good is it if you have it all and you don't have anybody to share with? So I think being, having experiences with those you love and care about and doing what you're passionate and you care about and what you love. I think that would be my idea of success. Well, then that leads me really naturally to the question, what's your proudest achievement? I would say for me, that I look at my family. I would say my my children and my wife. I just, uh, I look at uh, the experiences we have. You know, I look at how our children have developed. And, you know, again, they're children and they're not, we're, none of us are perfect. The relationship we have together, along with my wife, I just say our family is my proudest achievement. And I don't know if it's in a achievement or so to say but i'm pr- most proud of my family so there you go uh, about yeah, things good. in my life yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah and that's a good thing to be proud of yeah totally yeah. is yes as we get ready to wrap things up here a couple of a couple of last questions one is i know this sounds like an odd question but is there a motto that you live by is there a mantra that you remind yourself or you say to yourself in order to keep yourself focused and to stay on track and 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 help you achieve your goal? Not only just working with clients, but, you know, just working on our you know own personal goals. I think one, one that I, um, a mentor taught me years ago in the business was, uh, Jason, you'll do well, uh, by doing good. So bottom line is if you just do good for people, the rest kind of takes care of itself. And that's been true. I've always had the long view, be more relational than transactional. So that's one mantra. So do well by, do well by doing good, uh, for oh, others. Okay. Uh, you know, another one is, uh, I think, John Wooden had mentioned this is that success is temporary and failure is not fatal. You know, if you do have some achievements along the way, uh, don't rest on those achievements, continue to grow. And if you have some setbacks, keep trying. So I think if you were to look at one word that's important to me is persistence, I would say that is what uh, keeps me going. Yeah. And for those who don't know, John Wooden was a, a legendary basketball college basketball coach who uh i think he's i think he's still the winningest basketball coach <laughs> to have ever coached in division one yeah i think by 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 championships for sure uh percentage yeah. might you might be beat but yeah anyway yeah successful enough so that's and then, true and then i will say i will also say and probably should have said it first is that faith in christ so as a christian you know that i find encouragement and direction there as well that's yeah. important no, I think I think religious belief is a um, it's foundational for a lot of people. I think the idea of, of believing in something and having faith in a in a God, however that's manifest, is pretty foundational for for a lot of folks. So that's a good comment. I guess, and let's let's wrap it up with this idea of well, we got a sense of who you are, what you do for fun, and everything else. Who should listen to this podcast? Well, if you're interested in finance and not just at, for itself on its own, but if you need if you need help to make a decision, uh, whatever it might be, because it's stressful, right? I mean, finance is stressful. It can be, you know, it's the tax codes millions of pages long. You know, most Americans we learned during COVID can't save uh, one month's worth of living expenses. Right. Um, college education is highly expensive. So there's a lot of noise out there, and a lot of people don't act in take care of their financial future because they just don't know how to start or they're confused. And so 
by listening to this podcast through some fun stories, through some good examples, we plan to empower people so that they can make good and confident financial decisions ultimately so they can truly stress less, enjoy life more, and the byproduct that will be the evil legacy. That's awesome. So let's wrap it up with this. If somebody is listening to this and is intrigued, how do they get a hold of you? Probably the easiest is uh, you can go to our website at www.coddingtonwealthadvisors.com and uh, you can learn a little bit more about us there. And uh, in the top right-hand corner, there is a contact us button. There's a way to just you know schedule a brief 15-minute phone conversation to discuss any topic you would like free of charge and we can see uh, how we can help you out. And you know what the next steps might be, you know, and then there's be some other resources on the website as well. If you want to look at our newsletter and subscribe to that, where we have, you know, weekly tidbits and financial information that can help you as well. So they can reach out to you with no obligation and find out if there's a nice fit there and whether they want to continue. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's so. fantastic. Well, thank you, Jason, for your time and taking the time to introduce yourself to us and to the listeners. Thanks for listening. Obviously, you're not a subscriber to this podcast yet because it's the first one, but there is a subscribe button. So hit that button. That way you don't have to wonder if you're going to miss the next episode or where you find it because it, you will be alerted and you will not miss an episode. Uh, if you're enjoying these episodes, if you like the podcast, we ask that you rate, rate it and you share it with others so you can help spread the word about Jason and what they're doing over at Coddington Wealth Advisors. On behalf of Jason and everybody at Coddington Wealth Advisors, I'm Bill Tucker, urging you to go out and don't wait. Live your best life today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Money Metaphors. Exploring financial concepts through stories and analogies. Visit our website at www.coddingtonwealthadvisors.com or give us a call at 559-897-0040. Don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Jason Coddington is a registered representative with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The featured guests and their company are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Coddington Wealth Advisors. Individual tax or legal matters should be discussed with your tax or legal professional. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. 